Welcome to Behind the Product, a podcast by SEP, where we believe it takes more than a great idea to make a great product. We've been around for over 30 years, building software that matters more. And we've set out to explore the people, practices, and philosophies to try and capture what's behind great software products. So join us on this journey of conversation with the folks that bring ideas to life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Behind the Product. We've got a different episode today. We're going to try something new next year. We're going to add once a month, in addition to what we're already doing once a month, a show that's just about SCP. And this is our first show in that new format. It's going to be a little bit shorter, so probably 20, 25 minutes. And it's just going to be folks from SEP talking about things within our walls. This first episode is around sales. So I've got three guests on here. Raman Ori, who is our president and CEO. Mike Mumau, who is our VP of CX. And Maddie Beadle, who is on our BizOps team. All three of these folks play a role in our sales process. And we thought it would be interesting to kind of talk about some of the things that are unique to SEP, at least things that we've found to be unique. We thought it'd be interesting to share that and kind of see what folks think about it. So uh, we're going to continue to do this into next year in addition to our normal cadence. And we're going to talk about different aspects of SCP. So not just sales. We just thought this would be the first one to kind of peel back the curtain on. So we hope you enjoy and enjoy the show. I appreciate you guys joining me and doing this. This is going to be fun. We're going to do this more every year. We're going to do 12 episodes like this next year to play with the idea of what it means to talk about SCP. I'm still toying around with the the name. I'm thinking about like Inside SCP. What do you guys think? Is that just two on the nose? I like it. SCP Insider. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Good for one name a year, Zach. We know this. <laughs> we already burned it out. I want to spend it here. We already burned it up. I think I just got fired at naming things this year. This was the year. Yeah. I don't know. I used to name things. They all went away. What got you fired? People like him making better names. <laughs> this is when I miss Swanson. Swanson was pretty good about naming stuff, I feel like. Yeah. He was pretty good. I'm not good at naming things. I should not do these things. Somebody else came up with behind the product. All right, folks, we're going to talk about SCP selling things. SCP selling itself, really, at the end of the day, because our product is our service, our services business. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, you are VP of CX. Correct. That is a great title to really not explain the, the broad things that you work on here. But one of the things that you're heavily involved in is sales. And you come from a sales background. We have an interesting saying or slogan internally to SCP. I don't know if anybody outside of SCP has ever heard this, but it's everyone sells. Mm-hmm. We don't have a sales team, really. We don't have commission structures. We don't, we don't do a lot of the traditional selling structures and models and folks in the building. Mm-hmm. So everyone in the building sells. What does that mean? That is a good question. Because if you asked anybody in the building, you might get different answers. Um, I think even around our halls, if you said everybody sells to like an engineer right out of college, they would have no idea what you're talking about. Mm. And if you ask a manager, they'd be like, well, many might be like, I think that's my job. And the makers don't want to necessarily do that. But what it means to us is that we usually pair it with consultant sell. So everybody sells means just by doing good work and by being curious about customers' problems and solving those problems inevitably leads to us landing work. And that could be an engineer at a Thanksgiving party and they're talking about what they do to a cousin or a family member and 
they're like, you know, what? I hadn't really thought about you this, you guys this way, but like maybe you could help my company build something. Or maybe somebody left a previous employer and they came to work at SEP and that previous employer built software and they need some help with that. And they remember that person down the road. It could also mean that you have a lead, technical lead, a project who's probably the person at our customer who they are most infatuated with. Like that is the person who gets all my problems solved and they are just doing their job and they make recommendations to our clients and it ends up leading to new engagements. So everybody at the company really has the ability to position SEP well just by doing the job that they do. And 95% of our business is from current customers or customers that used to used to work with us before. It's like, um, you know, I've been here for four years and I feel like this is only recently really solidified in my brain. We just mm-hmm. got done doing kind of this, it wasn't the entire company, but it was a large swath of the company going through sales training. A third of the company. Was it a third? Okay, it was mm-hmm. exactly a third. There we go. And you and Maddie led the charge on this and it was... Not like a lot of new, new stuff, but it was hearing it in a in a really like concise, organized, like thought through way. We came up with these different roles that people play in a customer life cycle and different activities and different tools. And it was really, really cool to see that. Has that kind of come together organically over time or do you two have to craft some of that to bring, you know, some of that organization and not legitimacy, but maybe make it more concrete, mm-hmm. you know, cause that can be fuzzy. What you just described for a, like, what does that exactly mean? It's like, well, do your job well. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know, that could be kind of hard. Yeah. Maddie and I have, uh, in the last, when did the, the CX skill development program start? 20, 2019. 2019. Started. So really in the last three years have tried to make concepts that maybe are intuitive to many of us here, the old dogs that have been here over a decade or two more clear and use language that is portable. So really the sales training that we did for a third of the company was how do we create some language that everyone can share and use, whether they're going to be heavily involved in sales or not. And the roles you gave an example is something that was brand new this year because we just show up in meetings and just assume like Raman's going to do the thing he does and Zach's going to do the thing that he does and Maddie will do the thing that she does. But it's not clear what that looks like for a senior maker that it's their first sales call. They're going to get their tires kicked by a potential customer. We may ask them to tell stories about the time that they did something similar for a different customer. So mm. giving that person a role was freeing. It's probably some of the best feedback we got, right, Maddie? Like mm. that they appreciated not all having to feel like they were the hunting sales, kind of like the smarmy go find work, yeah. convince people to, to hire us. They could be an evaluator in a sales call and still be kind of considered um, on the sales team. Yeah. Yeah. More new work. Yeah, we wanted to bring clarity to people who were newer to sales. And I think that helped a lot. And bringing shared language that we'd established in some of the previous training and applying that in a sales context mm-hmm. was another piece of it. That's actually a good point. That shared language actually has been really helpful, like just in following conversations that I've had with people, you know, afterwards in the hallways of talking about like, oh, the connector role tends to be blah, 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 or, you know, prod pod can look like that. Do you want to do that? And having some of that that shared language, we often talk about shared understanding when we think about doing discovery workshops with our customers. Mm-hmm. Shared language is a part of that, even just for ourselves. I love that. That's really cool. I didn't think about that. And it has been really, uh, really helpful. So Raman, I want to toss one over to you. You've been here for just a little while. 29? That is correct. Yeah. All right. I'm getting there. I'm just going to keep tracking that up. 
29 years. We're about to turn 35 years old as a company. So you've been here for just a little while. I'm sure sales has looked different over the 29 years that you've been here. Can you think of a couple of key, maybe that evolution is the right word, but key shifts in the way that we've thought about sales over the years? Right from the beginning, I will say that there was a focus on training. Mike and Maddie have kind of evolved that sales training over time. But even from the beginning, we had sales trainers who were just trying to teach us the concepts. And they had to teach us the concepts because we were mostly engineers who became team leads, who became managers, and now had to sell stuff. It didn't feel natural. And I think Mike would tell you, actually, it's pretty natural because we come at problems a certain way. You tell me about your problem. Now I want to solve your problem and I get curious and that feels good and it's really an effective way and it all works. So that's kind of been there. We have tried various experiments. Like as a business, if you don't sell the thing, the service, the product, whatever, then you die. So there's always a little bit of pressure, right? We need to sell the thing. So you try stuff from time to time. And there's a whole bunch of dead ends outside of kind of what we have done. And some of those are pretty traditional. We have tried to have um, like a third-party sales person. Mm -hmm. So somebody who is uh, not a direct employee of SCP, but they have an incentive-based arrangement. If they find us a deal, they make some money. We have tried using services. So there's a ton of lead gen services that will try to get you first meetings with people. Both of those fail for the same reason in my experience, which is that that person has a hard time really grasping what we do and how we are. And so it's just hard for them to get over the hump with a customer. And they, in that initial conversation, they're not going to do the thing that we do, which is get really curious about them and their problem in a very sincere way. The other scenario that I know, it just comes up from time to time. And we, we occasionally forget that we already know the answer to this there will be a service or product that has an an integration partner sort of channel. So, hey, I go to companies and I sell licenses for my thing and then they need people to integrate and customize and you guys would be great for that. And we think, wow, that's amazing. And then they'll just bring us tons of leads and, well, that sounds easy and great and they never work. They just always tend to be very asymmetric. Either one or the other of us is working very hard and one or the other of us is getting all the rewards And it rarely balances out in a way that works, or at least we've never managed to unlock that. That's interesting. So the reasons why those experiments in the past have failed kind of goes back to, Mike, you're talking about the consult, don't sell. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a, is that Lencioni's? It was, yep, Getting Naked book. Mm -hmm. Which I had never read before working here and loved. I think it was the first thing that you gave me. Love that book. And it was phenomenal. One of the questions that was in my head ahead of this conversation was, unlocking things for us organization. Like why does this model work for us and may or may not work for other people, but they're so locked into this, this like, no salespeople must have a commission and that's how you motivate people. And I, I talked to friends of mine who are, you know, work for other companies and like, how do you not do it that way? I don't understand. Like, how do you motivate people? Why do you do what you do? And I'm like, I don't know that I have a good answer for that. What have you guys seen that have unlocked for us organizationally or why people are okay with it? I think because of the longevity of the company and the longevity of people in the company, we get very aligned. Yeah. Whether or not we can always articulate it well, we get it. We can look at a situation and a particular course of action, and it's not hard for us to say, yes, that is the way that we would do that. That's on brand. That's the right way. And that one's not going to be okay. I'm a big fan of all the way through the company, everywhere we possibly can have things 
align. So what does that mean in this context? Well, if I am incented by commission, right? That's a popular topic. If I'm incented by commission, well, I really need my deal to win. Yes. I need this deal to happen because that's how I put food on the table. That's not a gross motivation, right? Like yeah. that's, that's why we work, right? We're all working so that we can have a nice life. Well, if now you and I are competing for the scarce resources that are our people mm-hmm. working on projects, and now one of our two deals is going to be able to happen because we don't have enough people, now what? Like, you know, should yeah. I concede that to you? Well, you know, I like Zach. I guess I'll let him win and I won't take a vacation this summer or whatever. Like, how on earth does this, you know, how does this motivate the right behavior, you know? Because we're also not an organization that will go staff because then we might hire the wrong people. We're going to staff up after we sell it. Oh, yes. It has a rippling effect. Exactly. And again, like a management consultant, if they really came in and studied SEP, what they would just see is like layer after thin layer of ways that we go about things that all line up and they all line up to get a good outcome. And they make most situations not confusing. If you've been here a while, it isn't confusing. What should we do? A or B? It all lines up. It's so interesting. I don't remember if it was Mike or Roman, one of you two, I was talking to in the last couple of weeks. So I've been just past my four-year mark. And I feel like there's this kind of like, not that there's this aha moment or I've arrived somewhere, but there is a distinct feeling that I've had this year that like, ooh, I feel like I tacitly understand a lot of what you're talking about, but I would have a really hard time writing it down. Mm-hmm. It's an intuition-based knowing. That's so fascinating. I wonder, you know, are there things that we've tried to say or write down in the past to communicate some of this stuff? Because it, it really is squishy. There's a folder <laughs> on our network drive that ha- I think it's just titled management or admin or something like that. Mm-hmm. And if you go looking in there, you will find so many attempts. I've looked in there and I find documents and I read it and I'm like, oh, here's an attempt to capture this part of our style or culture or whatever. And as I'm reading, I realize like, I wrote this. I don't remember writing. We've tried so many times and they, it's just hard. Like software requirements, the minute you write it down, it's yeah. stale. Yeah. It's not kind of alive. It's tricky. That's a good point. Yeah, I think one of the things the founders did a great job of, and I, I know a little bit about their motivation, but I wasn't here when they started it. When you come out of a of an industry where you were burned or you didn't like the employer you had, and you're like, I'm going to go start a thing, and I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go do that thing better. I'm going to do it in a different way. I know they were highly motivated to do quality work, to take care of their people, and to take care of the customers more than making money. If you were ever handed a deal that a sales rep sold that you couldn't deliver on what the sales rep sold, you're like, man, I don't want that to happen to me ever again, let alone the people I employ. And so that's never gone away from 1988 to today. Now it looks different. You're talking about the the shared language and certainly at 160 employees, like we want to get clear about what we mean. Like even everybody sells, like it's not clear. It's not clear to everybody. But it is something like if we keep saying it and if we keep giving examples and stories of like, here's what that looks like. And here's what it looks like for you as a junior engineer. Here's what it looks like for you as a manager. Here's what it looks like for Maddie as a biz ops analyst. Like, okay, it's starting to make sense now right. back to your intuition. Like, it just feels like it's a part of who I am now. Yeah. Can't explain it. I know what it looks like though, right? right? Uh, you and I have a unique lens at this table that we've worked somewhere else mm-hmm. prior. You know, I've worked for a handful of companies. Mm-hmm. You've worked for a couple. Mm-hmm. And you came from that more traditional, not that it's bad, but just more traditional sales environment. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like this unlocks 
I don't want to be arrogant to say superpower. That's not what I mean, but unique factor for us to be able to step in those kinds of conversations. Yeah. Step in those kind of conversations with With customers or potential customers, right? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's really, it's easy for salespeople or people who aren't salespeople doing sales to say words that customers don't believe. So Mm. for example, I learned from some bad sales training, like, Hey, I promise not to sell if you promise not to buy. Okay. That feels gross. Like, yeah, man, what are you trying to do? It feels like you're trying to sell me. And I think conveying to a customer that you're really in it for them is really hard the first time you meet. Mm. Okay. But one of the things that SCP does that I think unlocks that part of the conversation with a new customer is there's not sayings. There's not things that we've trained our people, like even the process in which we train people to get to know customers, the consultant sell the first hour that we talk to them, we want to learn about their thing. We want to learn about their company. We want to learn about their vision. Yeah. We don't talk about us. We want to talk about all the years that you and I have done cool things at SCP or prior. Yeah. Um, we want to learn about them and they feel that. So it unlocks something for customers who maybe have been sold to a lot yeah. or maybe they've been sold to by people where it's clear their biggest interest is to get their people billing. You know, mm, like, yeah. hey, when can we start? Oh, we can do this Monday, right? And if you can build that genuine interest in your people, like we have, where like you're an engineer, you're a designer, you solve problems, you help people achieve outcomes. Like if you can take that into a sales conversation, don't change what you do. The only difference is they're not paying us to do anything yet, yeah. right? Just be who you are. And then the rest just kind of falls into place. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. That's a really cool sentiment. Mm. I think to that point, Mike, like when we consult, not sell. People get to feel what it would be like to work with us and they like it and they realize a lot of times that we might be a good fit to help them. I think that's something unique that it unlocks too. Yeah. Well, and I think like, you know, Maddie, you and I have been here for about a similar amount of time-ish. And I think about like biz ops, I even, just from my observations, you you guys would have to tell me if it has really evolved over time, but it seems like the role in your guys' organization (laughs) has kind of evolved over the years. And I'm kind of curious when you think about jumping into more sales stuff, jumping into the sales training. What have you found exciting in that? And what have you learned in the last few years? So somebody early in my career, it's really fun to see how SEP does things. And I, you know, peers of mine that work at other companies getting to hear how different it is. And it's not that one way is right and the other way is wrong, but it's really unique to see how we do things and how successful it tends to be. Mm -hmm. So that's really fun for me. I also, a lot of my role is supporting the people who work for customers. And so when I'm helping with sales, I'm trying to plug in the right people that might end up working on the project. The people who have the technical capabilities that I don't, I get to kind of be the connector Mm. to bring the right people in and allow them to consult. Way to drop one of the roles uh, from the training. (laughs) Nice job. I love that. That's really cool. I feel like I've had to like unlearn things, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's been an interesting challenge because I think when I first came in, the first six months, six to 12 months, I was trying to sell stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, like that was, it was just like not the right way to go about it. Uh, so it's really, it's really cool to hear kind of mm-hmm. that lens and you get to compare with some folks that uh, you know that are in similar stages, but uh, other companies. Mm-hmm. I love that. There's a subtle nuance there with uh, maybe the knowledge you came in with and what you thought you had to do to sell well for SEP. Because mm-hmm. we, we had a, Rem and I, when we interviewed you, we thought, uh, we had an intuition about like your ability to help us sell, but there is some, whether we knew there were some things for you to unlearn and or um, to adopt uh, in the way that SCP does, like sure. the, the nuance there being like, let's say Maddie bringing in technical folks or, or consultant minded folks that are going to 
uncover like really what somebody needs looks really similar to traditional sales, like find pain, dig into pain, make them feel the pain, make them understand the more pain they'll be in if they don't hire SCP. Okay. There's, there's a really subtle distinction there. Like if you're not watching or paying attention, you're like, we are doing the same thing, aren't we? But we're not because what we're not trying to do is convince them to hire us. What we're trying to do is to expose maybe something that we go work on, prioritize a list of things that we could do together and then work on like the coolest, most valuable thing first. And then at any point, like they can say, all right, this is not working. I'm going to not work with SCP and work like, cool, no worries. There's more work out there. There's more, what does Schinkel say? More ideas than there are money and time to build it. Like, yeah, probably it's okay. And that whole abundant mindset is a huge part of sales here. I love that. Well, I appreciate all of you joining me for our quick little fireside chat. Mm-hmm. Fake fire, but you know, it's still fire. Mm-hmm. So we'll go with it. All right, y'all. Have a wonderful Christmas. Thanks, Zach.